Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. It's the podcast time. It is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm Dave Brooks. I'm Joel Hoover, and we are sponsored by the Bemidji Theater on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Make sure you stop by the Bemidji Theater. We love teaming up with them and being able to do the podcast with their sponsorship. Yeah. yeah, they do some great deals there as well at the Bemidji Theater. Um, with Tuesdays their, are big. Yeah. Why are Tuesdays big, and a half. Uh, all the tickets are cheap, and so if it's if they have matinees, depending on what time of the year, all shows matinee and evening times, all shows are five and a half dollars. They can get a free popcorn with the purchase of a pop. There's also gift cards. There's also birthday party packages. I should rent out an auditorium on my birthday and have 300 of my closest friends that I've never met <laughs> showing one of my favorite movies. That Even student nights. Met. Student nights on Thursdays. A lot of great reasons to go. Plus, Missy and the crew. Brand new screens uh, as of this past spring. Sound system and the seating is quite marvelous. It is marvelous. Yeah, just make sure you don't fall asleep as you're yeah. watching the movies because it gets so comfortable. Don't in lay those back. Seats. Just get the feet stuck out. Out. And yeah. that and that's it. Otherwise, that's otherwise you're going to get halfway in and be like all my college girlfriends. They all fall asleep before the end credits are over. We love the Bemidji Theater, bottom yes. line, and we love having them as a sponsor too. So, this is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. That is the title of the podcast. We're the stars. We're front and center, even though our names aren't on the billboard. But we're like the supporting actors that really kind of carry the load, aren't we? We kind of are. It's Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, also starring Dave and Joel, even though we technically are the run, the ones who run the show yeah, don't, here. Don't put us on the marquee. Just write our down on, like, on a yellow sticky pad and just kind of on the poster. That's good enough. You see where we might be going here, though, with our podcast episode for today. We've not gotten a chance to really talk about the supporting players all that much or people who have really thrived in supporting roles during the course of their career. Let's give them a spotlight, Hoove. We might as well. Yeah, now, with these supporting actors, this can kind of be a broad category a little bit, and you're going to get that sense today as we go through talking about this, but the idea for this came, Dave, from me watching... 1960s related movies and and even into the early 70s as well and there are certain people who I would see pop up it felt like every time when I would watch certain movies especially if you would watch like shoot 'em up macho guy kind of movies or or war dramas or things like that I felt like I would see the cert- these certain kind of names over and over again James Coburn felt like I'd always see him Charles Bronson and the one that always makes me laugh when it goes and and then his name, Telly Savalas. Pretty much any time I would see those names, I'd be like, "Something tells me you just watched the uh, uh, the Magnificent." No, not Magnificent Seven. The Dirty Dozen. That's like half the cast you just brought up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Donald yeah, Sutherland, Magnificent Seven, Dirty Dozen. Yeah, you get the idea. Those those kinds of movies where those guys seem to pop up, or those kind those sorts of movies. Kelly's Heroes. You know, there's another one like. It feels like sometimes with certain movies, hey, I'm seeing the same supporting actors 
over and over again here or that you see people p- popping up of that person looks awfully familiar. Now sometimes they are more than just awfully familiar. It's like, hey, they're they're really noted for being in a true supporting role. Think of like your Francis McDormand, for example. Like we're going to talk about a wide variety of supporting players today because I think it is a category, Dave, that is rather vast. And it's fun in that you brought it up, Dave. I've got an idea for a show, and your mind went one way, and mine kind of went another way. And you know, supporting characters can mean a lot of things. There's Oscars for best supporting actor and actress. And in my brain, I was thinking, that'd be really good. The people who you know them, you know their work, you know their face, but you'd be darned if you know their name. But like, and we should give some special shout-out notices, of course, the Viola Davises of the world. I mean, they're really stepping forward. So in my mind, I'm absolutely a supporting actress in a lot of things, but she's almost her own food group also. Christopher Lloyd, I love that man, but he's so well-known, whether it's Uncle Fester or Doc Brown and other roles. And there are those folks, I want to shine like on the John Carroll Lynch's of the world. You don't know who that is. He started in the Guthrie Theater in Minnesota, but he's playing everything from Marge Gunderson's husband in Fargo to oh. potentially the, the they never really count the killer in Zodiac, but the prime suspect, he played that guy. So he could be sweet or evil and menacing. He's just one of those actors that can do everything but you'll be darned if you know his name, John Carroll Lynch. So my mind went to people who, those people, those faceless, face that you know, but the nameless almost, that might not be nominated for an Oscar, but they are the speckle that really kind of holds various shows or movies together. So that's kind of the route I went and the route that Hoove went. So you should get a pretty well across the board, known and unknown, showing the love to those lesser knowns. Exactly. Yeah. So we... We're going to kind of go through that spectrum today a little bit, and there may be a few spoilers along the way. As ever, that is our disclaimer with each episode. Just be aware that there might be a spoiler or two that we encounter with certain movies that these people appear in, or maybe a surprise appearance from them, or maybe we are going to unmask or put a name to that person who you commonly see over and over again in a movie and you might be going, oh, that that kind of spoiled it a little bit for me of who who that person was. And be prepared. This is by no means a comprehensive list of the best of the best of the best. This is just people that either jump to our brain or folks that have kind of been near and dear to parts of us that we just kind of wanted to show a little love their direction. There are so many worthy names, guys and gals, that are not going to be mentioned today for whatever reason. It's not because we don't love them. It's not that we don't want them to show up in the supermarket and say hello to us at some point. We'd be awesome just for one reason or another. The facts of life, they just... They're just not going to make it to today's show. No offense. Now, let's go to the realm of the more well-known supporting actors. Because another name that came to mind when we were getting this podcast ready of talking about supporting players is somebody who has more or less graduated out of that in recent years thanks to work in streaming television with a show that he did and now a major blockbuster movie that he was in the starring role in this summer. And that's none other than Killian Murphy who has long been one of those guys who's been sort of part of the the troop of players who Christopher Nolan could call upon in his movies to go and perform some kind of role in some sort of supporting role, popping up as Scarecrow in all three movies, uh, as as Crane, Dr. Dr. Crane, in all three movies for, for the Batman films, the Dark Knight films. And he appeared in a supporting role as well in Inception and in Dunkirk 
and then he got his star turn in inter in not Interstellar. He got his star turn this summer uh, in Oppenheimer, but had also gotten a star turn in Peaky Blinders before that too. I'm trying to think: is there prior to Batman? Was your is he missed a Nolan movie since then? Was he in Interstellar? Even like a voice cameo? To my knowledge, he was not in Interstellar. No. I know. I know. Um, ah, I'm trying to think. There are some actors that will make an appearance, even if it's just random voice on the phone. You know, just he will be in all movies at some point. I kept thinking Killian was one of those guys with Nolan. Well, I Michael Caine kind of was. Yeah. There was also Nolan's father-in-law appeared in. It was his father-in-law, right? No, his uncle. His uncle appeared in a couple of different movies. He oh, was yeah. one of the board members for Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, so yeah. If you want a true supporting role, I mean that there he was. But Killian Murphy is an example. You spoke of Viola Davis a little bit. Another example of one of those people who has been so known for being in the supporting kind of positions, but has kind of graduated out of that and into bigger stuff. I think he's really about to graduate. I think in about maybe six months or so, maybe less, he's going to win, I think, maybe an Oscar for Best Actor. That's going to graduate him. So this might be the last one of the last few moments that we could say he's a supporting actor cast. I think that's going to change for him. Yeah. Another name that came to mind when I was scanning some lists, and I was like, you know, it's true. She appears in so many different movies. Octavia Spencer. Oh, yeah. It's another one who has become really well known for being in a supporting role like you see Octavia Spencer and you go it, like she's she is just so good at being right there alongside of whoever is in those starring roles or whoever's in a starring position and just she can she can play a lot of different types of roles with it too she's great at comedy she's very good in drama i saw her in a horror movie i mean she's I'm trying to remember which one but and you'd see her show up like as the DMV worker on a sitcom, and you don't think that she's got a future where she's going to be nominated for an Oscar. She, but you snap your fingers and go, "Oh look, she's one of those." Yeah. Oh, that's I ah I know her from that's kind of where we're showing the love. Yeah, if people are listening and you might not be able to know the name or the face, what's she been in? Well, that's a good question. Actually, I should go and pull up the the full <laughs> list here because. Yeah, with some of with some of these names, yeah, you and if even, you want to give a more complete look, you should probably get a list pulled up. And even with us, because as we're going down the list, I don't know who Hoove's going to pull up, and he doesn't really know who I'm going to pull up. And it's one of those things where, hey, uh, here's a question that you know the answer to, but as soon as you're asked the question, you are all of a sudden at a blank. Oh, yeah, um, uh, uh, what's my cousin's name? You just can't remember all well, of a sudden. Well, the two most well-known ones that she's been in have been The Help mm -hmm. as well as Hidden Figures. Those yeah. those two, those were the ones that immediately came to mind. But she's appeared in some other ones. Shape of Water, she was in that one too. She's done some voice acting credits as well. She's got a voice acting credit for, for Onward. She was in the original Spider-Man back in 2002. You were aware of that? I was. You were. Okay. I hadn't realized that. She's been in in uh, Divergent. Let's see. She's had some more starring roles. Uh, Ma, she was in a starring role there in that particular one. But, yeah, she's she's been well-known for being a supporting player uh, quite frequently and quite well, too, in her career. You know, one thing we should point out, not all these people are, quote-unquote, stuck in supporting roles because they are, just can't hack it. This is where some people have their bread and butter. You get a lot of pressure on you when you are front and center. You know, Killian Murphy, I'm sure, is about to find that out. It was probably not an easy part to do the role of John Oppenheimer. But uh, some people like the variety. They like the difference. And playing Superman is cool, but Superman is, some people think, more boring than playing Batman because it's you're playing in the bright versus the fun and the shadows. Since you mentioned Batman, here's another name that's become well-known as being a supporting player. 
Paul Dano. Oh, he's just he's kind of now starting to break out. I never really heard of him until The Batman came out. And then you start becoming aware of him from that role and you start realizing, oh, he was in this and he, he was in this. And he's really going to come out to the front, I think. Yeah, Little Miss Sunshine. There Will Be Blood, very notably yeah. in There Will Be Blood. That was a big one that helped put him on the map, too, was was being in that role. But another guy who can play, yeah, actually it had been Little Miss Sunshine that really helped launch him and get him started. But he he's a chameleon-like kind of guy who people who are aware of Paul Dano, they they really appreciate his work and what he can do. They're, he's got a lot of fans out there. Oh, he's got the uh, an amazing talent. Um, I'll take one here. One of those guys that I think has crossed over from that face that you know, but you don't know his name. He's crossed over from that. But I don't see him as much anymore as he used to. Steve Buscemi. He's got to be yep. probably top of the Mount Rushmore of character actors that are good. And I mean, through the 90s and 2000s, he was in like every third movie. He was everywhere from... A lot of Adam Sandler movies, which is kind of funny. You wouldn't expect to see him in a lot of those. But then he started working with Michael Bay, and he's showing up in those from Boardwalk Empire and HBO to, I mean, everywhere. Ghost World might be the closest to name above the title I think he ever got to, and that's pretty a quirky movie. And if you weren't aware of it, you probably just heard that title for maybe the first time. He was one of those guys. He was everywhere, and he's such an unconventional movie star this guy, I heard a really good example one time. Maybe it was on Family Guy. He's got he's probably best known for his big bug eyes and gangly teeth where each tooth is kind of on its own, going in its own direction. You're like, this, there's no way this guy's going to be a, a, a star. Well, he proved people wrong with his quirkiness. He's got great humor, and he's got really good dramatic chops. I think my favorite role of him was actually in another Adam Sandler, Brendan Fraser movie, Airheads. He just I mean, <laughs> nailed that role to me that that's my personal favorite of what he has done. But I mean, whether he's showing up in Fargo or other comedy works, although Fargo's kind of a dark comedy, he, yes, he can is. do it all. Any others that you wanted to get into in that kind of category and realm? I've got a few more listed here. I got but... several more. I kind of go in to some degree alphabetical. I love Keith David. And there's a David Keith, too, so it can be confusing. But Keith David, you have known him from the uh, Mary's father, from There's Something About Mary. He's in They Live. He's in Platoon. He was big in the 80s. He's in the, uh, He was in uh, 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 The Thing, the John Carpenter version. He was huge yes. in the 80s and the 90s, and you don't see him so much anymore, but his voice is what is so distinctive about him. He can do drama. I've seen him in a couple horror shows, and Comedy. This man has got some chops, but he's got a voice. I don't know how he didn't get into voiceovers and movie trailers or, you know, it just worked for him when Morgan Freeman did Shawshank. H. John Benjamin type. Yeah, yeah, when Shawshank came out and Morgan Freeman started doing the voiceovers, I don't know why there wasn't a version of that that, you know, that didn't work for this guy because he's got that voice. Uh, Keith David is one of my favorite actors that can just cover everything. You don't see him as much these days, but... Man, he's good. He is one of my favorites. I'll give you another one real quick. This is another guy. I'll say his name, and some of you might know who he is, and others, you're going to know his face. You're going to know his work. Uh, William Fitchner is his name. 
You're going to know him mostly from Michael Bay movies. He's also in one of your favorite movies. He's the bank manager in the opening scene of The Dark Knight when yep. the Joker robs it. But he's in almost. Do you know who you're stealing from? Oh, yeah. You and your friends are dead. He's in Armageddon. He's in, I'm pretty sure he's in The Rock. He's in a lot of those Michael Bay movies. Uh, he's got a small part in Pearl Harbor. Slick back hair. Just he's He's got that, that certain look where you go, I have seen that guy somewhere before. He yeah. can be unhinged. I've seen him in some great drama, and you'll see him occasionally in some other things. He's one of those guys, he'll just pop up almost out of nowhere. And I've never seen him in a front and center role, but he's 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 really I'm gonna probably bring up this metaphor a few times. He's really good spackle. He'll hold the big mortar parts together. Yeah, glue. Yeah. Excellent, excellent glue. Here's another one. You've mentioned several people who I think this person fits the category of so well. Very good voice actor. Very good at being able to play great character roles. Judy Greer. Oh, she's on my list, too. Yeah, super, super notable character actor, Judy Greer. Like, very funny, humorous, distinct voice. She can play kind of the manic, goofy person in there. She can do a lot of different types of roles that she does, but... Really notable voice actor, but also somebody who has been, she's been in TV, she's been in movies. She's done a voice for Archer. She's been a long, long time part of the Archer TV show. I was unaware of that Yeah, but she's also been in other roles where she's appeared in like 13 going on 30, Arrested Development. So movie, TV shows, like she does a lot of different stuff and distinct voice. Very good comedic timing, very funny. I tell you, as soon as we flipped the calendar from Y2K into 2000, she started showing up at every... She's like a comma, a human comma. She shows up in every third movie. I think the first time I ever saw her was in the Mel Gibson, Helen Hunt comedy, What Women Want. She was the slightly suicidal one that Mel Gibson goes to check on and make sure she's okay. Yeah. And then she's all over the place. She's been in horror movies. She was in the Halloween sequel reboot. She's in Jurassic yeah. World. Uh, she's everywhere. And she can do it all. She is. She could do it from soup to nuts. I mean, as varied as that is, she can do it all. And yeah. she's in every other movie. You, I, I thought it was funny that you talked about Spackle and that you're probably going to mention that a lot because, yeah, I look at these people like from a sports metaphor standpoint, like you need your glue guys, your glue girls, those people who are really good at filling in roles for your team that are so essential and necessary in whatever sport it is. And that's what the supporting players are. And they, that's where if you can get really good ones and ones who are able to be like chameleons in their roles you're going to make your movie or your show that much better. You know, a quick sidebar here. Some of the best well-known actors and actresses, and this isn't for everybody, Meryl Streep is a human chameleon. She can play a wall itself. She could literally play a wall and do it convincingly. But a lot of people that you know, the big name above the titles, they kind of have a really good version of a widget. They just kind of play a variant of the same character, but it's a captivating kind of a character. When you have to talk about great supporting cast and great character actors, they can play everything. They're almost like uh, below the title Meryl Streep type. They can play everything. They can play whatever the story, whatever the script, whatever the characters need them to be. They can be unhinged. They can be very straight-laced. And everything in between, they just kind of mold into what it needs to be. They're a Stretch Armstrong. And that's really kind of <laughs> what we're talking about here. Yeah. 
You got one? I just oh, yeah. threw one out there, so do you have one? Judy was actually next on my list, funny oh, enough. Funny. Staking with the G's. Uh, he's really known as a comedic actor, but I've seen him do serious work before Luis Guzman. He, I had Luis Guzman on my list. He is fun. Most recently that I can think of, he's playing uh, Gomez Adams in the Wednesday series. Yeah. But he's been in a lot of different things, and he's done great dramatic work. And even in dr- yes. he was in Traffic, he was in... Uh, um, oh, some other stuff with uh, Soderbergh. Uh, he's been Count in, of Monte Cristo is yes, what I know Luis Guzman from. I love from. that yeah. role where he's absolutely straight laced. It's not a comedic role, but he's almost there. Um, he is the second fiddle, kickback, comedic guy. That's what he's best known for. But even stuff where he's just off the hinges, like that uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds movie, Waiting. He's one of the chefs where he's got this big game that's a recurring gag through the movie. Uh, he is wonderful. I love seeing him in those roles. And comedic is where he certainly goes. But he's got dramatic chops. And if you get him in those roles, you wouldn't expect it now. Everyone knows him as the comedian. But he will surprise you. He will. And I think it will surprise people to figure out that he's been in that movie and that show. And yeah. that like he's one of those guys who suddenly appears within it and you're like, Oh, he's in this. He's in Crocodile Dundee too. He was one of the bad guys <laughs> that goes to Australia with the drug people to go get Crocodile Dundee. He's one of the bad guys. But yeah, even in even in Count of Monte Cristo, in in the role he plays there, is he's he's essentially um, the, the Alfred the, the Butler. Almost. Yeah, he's he becomes the Butler. Like he he is saved at first, and then he becomes like like a Butler there um, in that movie. It, it, you feel like I've seen this guy before when you see that, and yeah, he has just a twinge of humor about him, just enough within what is otherwise a rather dramatic story that's playing out but um but yeah otherwise he yeah he he fi- he shows the ability to be able to play the dramatic role too within that movie he's he's a very versatile guy and even yeah. if in a dramatic part he's the guy on the ledge and yes man that's that uh, jim carrey comes to sing to and saves him from the ledge it's kind of a serious moment but it takes a real turn and it's not such a serious moment anymore it turns into a comedic moment um i'm a big fan of this guy here's a guy i'm going to say his name and you might not even know who philip baker hall is that name sounds familiar he's an yeah. older he just passed away i think it was last year but his this guy goes so far back. I'm a Star Trek fan, and he was actually one of the cast members of the pilot episode of Star Trek, the original, original. The very beginning. He is um, the FBI director. No, he's not the FBI director in The Rock, but he was one of those guys. I think he was the FBI director in that. He was in Modern Family. He was the next-door neighbor that Luke got a nice friendship with. He's been all over the place. He was in Zodiac. He's the handwriting expert analyst. He's in, like, every third TV show episode every third movie this guy works steadily probably from the mid-1960s and just never stopped right up until he unfortunately passed away last year you're looking up as as bio tell me a couple other things he's in that i'm just not thinking of oh i had another idea that i was thinking of that i was going to look up but He's, yeah. he's everywhere, and he's one of those guys, he does have some comedic chops, but he's also, he's a dramatic guy, and he's got a sense of authority to him in a way, so he does play good as the president of the company or the director of whatever agency. He's got something about him that just makes that work, and he's been in all kinds of movies, and he's one of those guys, again, I'll say his name, Philip Baker Hall. You've seen his name show up on the credits list, and you would be darned if you knew who he was. But he's one of those guys that he really is a true definition of the spackle. He really makes that thing come together. 
I'm still lo- trying to look up my next guy here who I just thought of, so I, I think I'll have to swing it back to you for the moment. Okay, okay. Here's another one that you're definitely going to know, uh, and I'm going to give a quick shout-out here to some of the gals. Hollywood is known, along with other industries, of not always playing fair with the gals and finding great supporting... Not Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great supporting actresses and character actresses, but they either are, you don't know them at all, or they cross over into something that, for what I was looking for, well, I'd love to bring her up, but she became too big for this, and she's too well-known for this, and I was going for more of the nameless faces types. But this one, you're going to know Allison Janney. She, or Janney, rather. Yes! She is she wonderful. She was another one I saw on the list. You know, the first time I ever saw her was, she's almost a cardboard cutout of a human being in American Beauty. She's the the wife of the next-door neighbor, but, you know, the West Wing is where she, which is funny enough, because I think both movie, the movie and the start of the West Wing were filmed almost within the same week. So she goes from this background shadow on the wall to the uh, PR director of the White House in the West Wing, and she really busted out there. And she can do drama excellently well. She does great comedy. I think she's still doing that show Mom with, um, and she's good at that, and she's shown up in a lot of small bit parts. I haven't seen her front and center for a while, but she does have those moments where she will do it. But she's got a good brassy quality that can come out, and that's, I think, her strong suit. And then she's got a very mousy quality, which is just the opposite of that. She can play the light. She can play the dark. Um, She's fabulous. I'm a big fan. Another guy who I guess is maybe touching around the realm of probably becoming a little bit more known, but has not really broken into that. Are you familiar with Walton Goggins Mm. at all? Yeah, he's another one where I, when I saw him on TV, I saw him for his show that went for a few years here, The Unicorn, that was a few years ago. Well, he's and in I, Justified. And, and, I, and, oh, yeah. and Justified, and he's been he's been a guy who Tarantino has gone to a couple of times, too, with The Hateful Eight, and he was also in Django Unchained. And you see his face, and you, you could have sworn that you've seen him before elsewhere, because it's like... Yeah, yeah, that guy looks kind of familiar, and I and I saw Walton Goggins on one of the lists that I was looking in that and looking at, and I had that exact feeling about him seen there because I, he's one of those guys who's appeared in a lot of different roles and has popped around in a lot of different places. I'll give you an example of exactly what you just said. I saw him. It's funny. You'll see him and you'll see him, and it just doesn't register. And then at some point, you'll see him for the ninety seventh performance, and for some reason, it clicks. And you're I know, I've seen this guy. And then it, for some reason, at that point on, he will click. The name jumps out at you. The face jumps out at you. And it kind of grabs your attention. The first time I actively remembered seeing him and it clicked for me was, it wasn't the most uh, hit-ish movie, but it was pretty good. Predators. This is the one with Adrian Bro or Aiden Brody that led the cast. Yeah. He was one of those guys on that uh, game refuge planet with the, you know, it's a sequel of the Predator movie. And that was the first time I was like, I've seen him before. And then you start re-watching movies and you, yeah, that's, and then you start remembering the name, Walton Goggins. He's just, and he was in Justified, he played the brother, and then you start seeing him in all these other things. And now, almost like Steve Buscemi, he's starting to work his way from the background to the foreground. And he's just one of those guys, he's got great comedic chops. But man, he can do drama. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see an assortment of background characters that it's all about a, an ensemble movie, whether it's a comedy or an action movie, where you know they can bring the characters to life, but none of them is like a name above the title guy. I'd love to see him in one of those. 
Another guy who can bring a really impressive showing in a supporting dramatic role is Jaiman Hansu. And he was no. another one I yeah. thought of immediately with talking about really quality supporting actors because whether it's Gladiator or Blood Diamond, those those were the two that really stuck out. But he's also he's made some other appearances. Actually, he's been in uh, he's been on both sides of Marvel and DC. Actually, right. he is yeah. he's been in Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel. Um, he's been Korath in, in a few of those. Who is he but, in DC? But he's also been in DC. He was in Aquaman and was also in That's Shazam. Right. He's yeah. been he's had roles in both of those. So he's he's been a rare actor to cross over both sides of the Marvel and DC spectrum. He's, he's one of those guys that can do it all, and there's an example right there. Here's a guy, you might not know the name, but you know his face, and you know his work, Bruce McGill. He showed up in, I think the first thing I remember seeing him in is Animal House. He showed up in several MacGyver episodes. He's in that Collateral movie with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. He always plays like an authoritative type kind of guy who knows the answers. And he's in, I mean, for a long time in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, he was one of those guys was in every fourth movie or episode of whatever. You will know his face. You will know his work. And he's another guy that's got a good commanding voice, but there's an ease about it. He's He doesn't need to be authoritative by, you know, doing an Al Pacino. He just kind of has it in a smooth delivery, and it just comes in, and it's even keel, and you know that without having to fact check him, he, you know that whatever he's just told you is right. Well, speaking of somebody who also is, is well-established as being somebody who you look to as that's an authoritative kind of figure, you'd have to go to the late Lance Reddick. As well, I think he would. Wouldn't he fit that too? Like you, you're familiar with him being just sure, somebody who would be in charge or have has we, that we kind say of that you know field. you might know the name, you might see the face, you might know the work, but I'm not getting the face and the name together. Lance show... Reddick, who was in John Wick, he's been in he's been oh, in John Wick oh. and then The Wire as well. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, gotcha. just just passed away sadly earlier this year before John Wick Four was released. That's right. Yeah, yeah. now it's hit. See, it can even for some of us movie fans, like, I know the work, I know the face, but I, I can't get the name. I got nervous all of a sudden of like, oh no, are you going to dispute like my claim that Lance no, Reddick is no. a good one? But I had to th- I had to think of up, and now I got it. I'm, I'm with you now. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, so, yeah, I'm with you. Now I got you. We're up to speed now. Dave is caught up to the rest of the train. Yeah, but Lance Reddick is another guy who projects that air yeah. of being in charge so well with his he he projected that extremely well throughout the course of his career. Sad that he passed away right on the cusp of of the, the most recent John Wick movie being released. Yeah, that's true. This is one of those guys I didn't like him for a long time and then he did a particular role and I just got to love him. And in a weird way I retroactively got to like his other performances. He's in just about every Oliver Stone movie ever made, but when he did Scrubs, Dr. Cox, John C. McGinley. Yes, John C. McGinley. <laughs> Johnny C. has become one of my favorites. He's in he's in Platoon. He's in Wall Street. I mean, you pick a you pick an Oliver Stone oh, movie, man. and he's I don't know if he's in JFK. That might be the only Oliver Stone movie that I don't think he's in. But playing Doctor Cox got me in a big way. He's in The Rock. He's got this. 
neuroses about most of his characters where he's extremely energetic and almost to the point where he's so fidgety and you just it's it's difficult to watch him and the reason I didn't like him was because just I couldn't sit easy watching him but he just oozes sarcasm out of every pore of his very being with the way that he talks and his mannerisms and the way that he will describe things to you funny enough just like that I am such a big fan of the Scrubs TV show oh you and me both when they wrote the character they said somebody with John C. McGinley's kind of zest for life. And he was interviewing for the part, and he's reading this in the description of the character. He's like, well, well, I don't need to bring that zest. You have the guy. I'm written in the description. Somebody like John C. McGinley, well, that's me. He got the role. He made it his own. But it's very much like him. It's a different kind of comedic element that somebody like him yeah. brings. Because, I mean, he has – there. Are, there's obviously a ton of humor with how he operates and the sarcasm and the I'm so sick of you kind of way that he operates toward everybody in that in that show. But at the same time, there's also an ability for when there's a dramatic moment, and there yeah. are several of them, quite a few. I mean, the, the dramatic element to Scrubs is – Highly appreciative. I mean, we're getting into the TV realm a little here, but he provides that additionally to that that side of the show as well, and he does it so well. Oh, yeah. And I saw a movie. It's not the best. It's not a bad movie. It's a comedy, but his role is as a bad guy. And he plays it almost like an iceberg. Most of him is under the ground and so, or under the water surface, I guess. And if you know him as this neurotic, high energy type, this one he's playing against type. He's very, you can tell that intensity is there, but you don't really mm. see it. It's, uh, I haven't even said the name of the movie yet. Nothing, or, um, um, ah, nothing to lose. Martin Lawrence and Tim Robbins, and he plays one of the bad guys. But he plays it the one of the most subdued versions of any role I've ever seen him play. But I'm a big, big fan. I've really come to appreciate him, particularly since Scrubs. It, it just works. I'm a big fan of Johnny C. Another person I had written down who's really been knocking on the door of getting some larger roles, I think, is Naomi Harris. Yeah, yeah. Because she's been in quite a few notable supporting roles, Calypso in Pirates of the Caribbean, but especially as Eve Moneypenny in the recent James Bond films as well. It feels like her profile is continuing to grow more and more of being somebody who you can fit into larger roles perhaps as well. For now, she's been enjoyable to see in more supporting type roles. And funny enough, I think she and Killian Murphy, I think it was both their first big role, if not their first significant role, 28 Days Later, the zombie movie. They're both in it. They are. Both leading the guy. That was fun to see them kind of starting together. Now they're making their way around to maybe about to burst out from background character actor to kind of front and center. Killing. Unless she's been enjoying being in those roles. And like I said, a lot of people like the the variety that you can get with being a background character actor versus up front and center. There's a lot of uh, a lot more freedom to that. I've got another great comedic actress that has absolutely got almost as many great dramatic roles as she's got comedic. Laurie Metcalf. You know her best as Roseanne's sister in the sitcom Roseanne, but she was also, here comes a spoiler, she was one of the numerous killers in Scream 2. She's played Sheldon Cooper's mom in The Big Bang Theory. She plays one of the counselors in the uh, team that's trying to build a case against Lee Harvey Oswald and case in the JFK Oliver Stone movie. She's got drama. She's got comedy. She can do it all. She's a stage actress. She's one of those people well, we got to do a role that's like this. Cast Laurie Metcalf. Well, we got to do a completely different role. Cast Laurie Metcalf. You could cast her as an actor, as a male actor character, and she could pull it off. She can do it all. 
comedy, serious, something in the middle, Lori Metcalf, she's awesome. I've got another name that's been popping up in recent years a little bit more so, and that's Benedict Wong, who's becoming very notable through the Marvel movies. He's been in quite a few of them here in in recent years and in recent editions, but he was also in The Martian and is somebody who's had some other supporting roles that he's notably been been a part of. The Martian, I think, is maybe the most notable one that he's been into. He was also in Prometheus as well, going back a little bit further, but Benedict Wong, he's showing up more and more. Of course, Marvel has helped the profile be able to be there a little bit more frequently, but he's he's another guy who, yeah... You see him on on the screen, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen him in a lot of movies here recently. He stands out a lot of the Doctor Strange movies just because of the way the characters are. But the, I think one of the best compliments I can give Benedict Wong or other type actors like this, he might have a character that on the page is kind of generic, but he just has a thing. I can't define it. It's an X factor that he brings that just something. How about personality? Something that he does that makes it a non-special character, makes it memorable. He's just got a way to make it kind of jump off the screen just a little more than it may have been developed to. Here's another guy who, again, you're you're looking at maybe getting close to going into the realm of, are they really a supporting actor or are they maybe a little bit more than that? And that's John Turturro. Oh, God, yeah. Why I didn't put him on my list, I don't know. I'm really surprised you didn't have him on your list because if you need a manic character or one that you that you need to have an unpredictability factor with, I think you get that with John Turturro with a lot of his roles. Most recently, of course, he was Carmine Falcone in The Batman, but he just manic, nutty, crazy character in Can the Transform in the Transformers movies. Yeah. He that he was definitely that. And I think he they took his quote unquote widget, as you like to describe with with roles and with actors. And I think they took it to an extreme with him in that role, but he's appeared in a lot of other stuff, hasn't he? I like every role he's ever done. And maybe don't like all the movies he's in, but even if it's a bad movie, it's a good part if he's in it. And the Coen brothers and various movies he's been in with them yes, yep. are fabulous. I like his role in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I th- he is one of those guys, again, I'd like to see him as an unhinged lunatic. <laughs> I think he's got – that's the next role that he hasn't done yet, but it almost seems like every role he's played is a comedic version of the unhinged lunatic part, but you're only seeing the comedic parts. From the big Lebowski, he's – I mean, it's just – when you think about what his character is, he's barely there, but he's memorable. And not to mention he's got great dialogue or great lines that are so memorable – uh, I, I love John Turturro. He is a hoot and a half. Even in Little Nicky, which wasn't all that good of a movie, he's or it wasn't Little Nicky or um, what was the one where he was the the butler? Um, ah, I can't help you. It's, there, it's sorry. an Adam Sandler movie, but it's not Little Nicky. I think I got that the movie wrong, but ah, I'll get it. He's in a bunch of those movies, but I tell you, when the Coen Brothers have a movie coming out and Turturro's in it, you know you're in for a treat. Over to you. Have some ideas? I do. Here's another one. Uh, she's one of those that. You'd think that she'd be much more front and center, but people kind of forget. Now, I'm going to say a word here that when you realize the show that I'm talking about, you realize the way that it's spelled, you are allowed to say this in mainstream culture, so hold on to yourself. You're going to know her with Eugene Levy as the lead actress of Schitt's Creek. And then you realize, oh my God, she was the mom from Home Alone? Yes, she was. Catherine O'Hara. People, oh, man. It's funny. People have wow. not put it together. That's the same. Yes, it is. 
She got her start on SCTV, which is uh, the Canadian version of Saturday Night Live. And she really went from there. She was the mom in Beetlejuice. And that's another one that, oh, my gosh, oh, yeah. Same woman. And the funny thing is she pretty much looks the same. She got into a bunch of shows with Christopher Guest. So she's in Best in Show. She's in Waiting for Guffman. She's in a lot of those pseudo-documentary movies that he did. And you just kind of forget how versatile she is. They're almost always comedic, but she definitely has dramatic chops. And it's funny that people just, she does her own thing, and you almost forget that she was, oh my gosh, that she looks kind of the same. I don't know why you haven't you know put it together that it's the same gal, but she's awesome. Catherine O'Hara, she is a, she's a, she's a treasure. That's funny. I hadn't processed that. Well, I was aware of I was aware of that show, but not that she was involved in it. Yeah, she's the lead way. actress yeah. with uh, Eugene Levy, and oh, I've seen man. I've seen four episodes. I haven't gotten down to binge watch it yet. And everyone's telling me, "Oh, you got to watch Shit's Creek. It's a hoot and a half." I've liked what I've seen. I'll probably get around to it. The problem with so many great shows is I, I can't give them all the attention that they deserve. I'll get there, but I've liked what I've seen. See, the funny thing about that is when you were starting to describe her, I started hearing things that ran parallel to another actor who has, I think, officially broken through from going from supporting to into the mainstream as a headliner, and that's Bob Odenkirk. Oh, who, yeah. Bob Odenkirk was doing Mr. Show back in the 90s <laughs> and was was a real, a really comedic-focused actor, but he's had, a, he's had a few dramatic chops. He was in small roles, but then the role of Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad put him into the supporting actor mainstream, and then he went into the headlining actor mainstream, of course, with Better Call Saul, which followed up, and then turned into a movie role for him. But when you describe some of those things about Catherine O'Hara, it's like, you know, Bob Odenkirk kind of on a similar trajectory of like in the weeds, small stuff for so many years. And now, bang, all of a sudden he gets a big supporting role and it parlays into a big leading role then. Yeah, I, I totally agree. He's he's fantastic. And he almost seems like he does better with drama. I've seen him in more dramatic roles than I have in comedic roles, but he can certainly nail comedy when he gets the opportunity. Yeah, he's he's a comedic guy who it it feels like because of that he he takes such a nuanced approach then to the dramatic side, but he can spring into something that almost makes you laugh while at the same time it's like this is rather dramatic. Like some of his outbursts as Saul Goodman sometimes are you almost you can see the comedic touches to them, and yet at the same time, it is dramatic what's oh, happening. Absolutely. I totally go along with that one. I've got another great one to add to the list. I think he's also crossing over from you know the background guy to a little more front and center, and I know I'm going to screw up his name because I never can get it right. Joe Pantaleano. I think, right, right, got it right. He was. I first saw him in The Goonies. He was one of the bad guys, one of the Fratelli brothers. Say it for me. I'm still working on it here. Hang on. Pan, pan, I'm going to screw it up, but I'm so sorry, Joe. Joe Pantoliano. Pantoliano. That was the first time I saw him, and he's shown up in a bunch of things. The Matrix. He was. He got working with, uh, also, he was a cipher in that one that turned into be the traitor but turncoat guy. Sorry, we did say spoilers were coming. Right. Seeing him work with and Christopher Memento, Nolan in Memento. Year, yeah. yeah. He's one of those guys. He's got a, 
a knack about Letty. him. But he finds a way to make it work. He can be menacing. He can be funny. He can dial it down. You and don't really play. trust him. You kind of don't trust his character, which is yeah. why, which is why it works so well in Memento. It's like this guy. It almost feels like he's putting you on a little bit here. Well, that's what the whole thing's about. But he's got such a history of playing the bad guy. But he's the bad guy that starts as a good guy or is always the bad guy. And so he's got a role, Cypher, he turns on you, the cop from Memento. He turns on you, or at least you're pretty well believing that that's the case because there's a lot of questions to be figured out and interpreted in that movie. But he's re- that's that's the best version of the role. He's a cool guy, makes you feel like he's a buddy. Is he really, though? That's kind of his I don't want to say his shtick, but that's kind of the perfection widget that he's got. Uh, but he is fantastic as an actor, and he really does have the chops to to do it all. I've got uh, another guy that, funny enough, kind of like Luis Guzman, who I first remember seeing in Crocodile Dundee 2. This guy first showed up in Crocodile Dundee 2 and is mostly a comedic actor, but I've seen him do some drama. Steven Root. And everyone remembers him from Office Space. I, I, believe, I believe you have my stapler. This guy was the general manager from News Radio, and I loved him in that role. He's done some work with the Coen brothers as well. He showed up as a blind station engineer in a radio station where he records the Soggy Bottom Boys and Old Brother Where Art Thou. Um, He's also done some dramatic work, and he's got some pretty good chops when it comes to that. But he's kind of a quirky guy, but he's a chameleon when it comes to whatever he's going to do that he, even if he's doing comedy, this guy can do so many different versions. The quirks work for him because almost as a person, I've seen him in interviews, and he just kind of comes across as a blank white wall that whatever you want to put on that wall will become the wall. How about putting this on a wall? He's the voice of Bill in yeah. King of the Hill. Yeah. Did he's, not realize that. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of those guys that does it all. And for some reason, it's almost the most obscure character in Office Space. That's what he's arguably best known for. I believe, I believe you have my stapler. And the, I don't know how many fans have probably sent this guy red swing line staplers. But but I was I really became a fan with him with News Radio. It's a TV show, but still, I'm such a fan of his character of, uh, of, yeah, of Jimmy James. It's just fun to watch just the bizarre level of what he is. But when when you do see him on those roles, uh, gosh, he's good. And he was an FBI agent chasing Crocodile Dundee in the second movie that got the knife held on him at the urinal. That was the first time I ever saw him, and for some reason it struck a chord. I don't know why. I apologize if I'm dr- if I'm jumping your list a little bit no, here, go Dave, ahead. especially if you've been waiting on this one. But no, no. There are a lot of well-known character a- actors out there. I don't know if there are any in the present day as known as Stanley Tucci. Ah, you did the what? No, I'm just kidding. I actually thought of him, and I thought, you know, he's had a couple front and center parts. He's he been has, up for Oscars, but so he I didn't, is yeah, a major character actor, though. I agree. Like, and he's been in so many supporting roles in so many different places. I agree. The Devil Wears Prada, The Hunger Games, The King's Man. He's all over the place with, and he just he's. I love him. He is sometimes there in terms of like front and center. He's the guy, but so often you go, "Oh, there's Stanley Tucci. Oh, there's Stanley Tucci again." Um, He's he's in a lot of different stuff, isn't he? Yeah, I'll give you a great example. So this is a different story to tell you the first story. There's an Irish actor named Patrick Bergen. He played the abusive husband of Julia Roberts in Sleeping with the Enemy. The only other movie I ever saw him in, he was one of the terrorists in Patriot Games with Harrison Ford. He did such a good job as the maniacal husband in Sleeping with the Enemy. I'm sure he's a really nice guy in real life, but I hate his guts because that role just oh. got me. It just got me. <laughs> 
Stanley Tucci is the opposite. Even when he plays a smarmy, twitty guy, like uh, the designer in um, uh, Devil's Wears Prada, yeah. but he was kind of a nice guy. Most of the roles, he's a cool everyman. And then I saw The Lovely Bones. It was an unusual movie that Peter Jackson had did where he plays a pedophile child murderer, and he kills this kid. He has said in interviews he had the most hard time doing that show because of the character. And I'm watching this movie where he is now the family and the, the little sister is going to you know catch this guy. You like him so much because he's Stanley Tucci, but you're watching this actor that you know and you like play a role that is so despicable. And he does such a good job at it. Don't get me wrong. He nails the role and he does such a good job. I And you learn to hate the character because of what the character is. But I had he had to make me want to hate him because of how bad the character was just because it's Stanley Tucci. And Stanley Tucci is so good in everything and you gen, generally and almost genuinely like him so much. I hear he's just one of the nicest guys in real life too. I uh, got married to Emily Blunt's sister just because they were such buddies after working together on Devil's Works Prada. He's such an awesome guy. I can't say enough good things about every role he's in. And he's just, from what I hear, a great guy. Stanley Tucci, yeah, he almost made my list. Just, yeah. I thought he kind of crossed over. Enough. I know. That's kind of a crossover yeah. one. Similar to another name that I thought of with this episode, which was Ed Harris. Because it feels yeah. like Ed Harris has... He certainly a, crossed over. Yeah, a lot of roles where if he's not one of the lead guys, he he's like, it's one... And then 1A. I and Ed like Harris him a lot. is 1A. And he's he's right alongside whoever that main role is. Like the Truman Show, for example. I mean, Ed Harris, that's that's a quote unquote supporting role. And yet it's kind of a major supporting role yeah. that he's in there, too. Yeah. And he's also directed. Pollock was a big one. It was an art movie, but he was up for best actor and director for that movie. Apollo 13, Apollo of course. Apollo 13, yeah. yeah. He's been in a lot of things. The Abyss, I think, was the first time I ever remembered seeing him, but he's got work that goes further back than that a history of violence. I love Ed Harris. He can bring an intensity. Talk about being in charge. Yeah, the intensity. And he's also got a very laid back, subdued quality that is so the opposite of that. But he's, yeah, I love Ed, I love him. You know who I equate him to or I equate with him? Neil McDonough. Kind of the same yeah. way with that piercing look that Neil McDonough has with his just they both have his piercing expression. blue eyes. Yeah. yeah, that that with that expression, I w- I would be terrified if Neil McDonough would be like staring at me and mad at me over something. They've got they both have the look. If they just give you the look, whatever you want, sir. Sure, I don't even work here. I will help you get your your chocolate shake. Whatever. You it's know. probably because I grew up watching Neil McDonough in the movie The Guardian, and he's yeah. one of the instructors there for Coast Guard training, and just strikes terror in you with the way that he just yells at them and it's got that mean expression on his face. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of Ed Harris. I like him in everything he's in. Here's another one, uh, an actress that I think in some ways crossed over, but you don't see her as much. These She's starting to make a little bit of a comeback, but in the 70s and the 80s, oh yeah, she was in, especially known as a comedian, Lily Tomlin. She's in 9 to 5. She did a great turn with Steve Martin in a movie called All of Me. She's been all over the place. And then she kind of disappeared for a while. She's making a bit of a comeback right now, oh, Frankie and Johnny. Yeah, okay. She can do drama as well. She eventually showed up in the later seasons of The West Wing. She was the special secretary to the president. She can really do drama, but she's best known as a comedian actress. She was just in 80 for Brady. Yes, yes. So she's kind of having a bit of a renaissance now. She's one of those gals that I think the word underappreciated would be appropriate, and I think she's 
built up enough credit with this underappreciation. I really like her. I really like her too. That she's kind of, that has kind of helped her work her way back to the front and center a little bit. And she's got to be in her 70s by now, but she's coming back around with a career renaissance. But the talent has always been there. I'm a big fan of Lily Tomlin. I have one more topic related to this that I want to ask you about here at okay. the end of the show. Do you have one or two more names? I have one more name. To? All right, go for it. This is another guy. He passed away years ago, and he was one of those guys, especially into the 90s. He showed up a lot, and he died of a heart attack or something. And I think when his career was really hitting the peak, J.T. Walsh is his name. He was in, uh, and he always played a smarmy bad guy. Rarely was he a good guy. He was in um, uh, Executive Decision. He was in uh, The Outbreak. He was the one of the president's assistants. But he's usually a smarmy guy. One of the the best roles slash worst roles, he was in a movie with, uh, with Kurt Russell. Um, ah, I forget the name of the movie. All of a sudden, he's a truck driver who's a sadistic guy that has stolen his wife and is you know completely oblivious to the fact that going to play this down. I've got all the proof. you got your wife in the back of your truck. I don't know what you're talking about. And of course, once you start unpeeling it, it's absolutely true that that's exactly what the case is. He was in um, uh, the Samuel L. Jackson movie and Kevin Spacey, The Negotiator. He's been in a bunch of movies, and he was one of those guys where he was best at playing the smarmy bureaucrat, was the best role, that the version of the role he would do. But there are others where he will break away from that type. And I think, in my opinion, just when he was hitting the prime of his career. I think it was a heart attack and he died um, and he is sorely missed. Pleasantville, he's in that. He was the basically hmm. the community leader of the Lions Club in the town. He is a great character actor and I've missed him ever since he was gone. All right, so I, I want to close out the episode with a quick discussion on this. Okay, There are some lead actors who it seems like sometimes do best when they are in maybe a little bit more of a quote-unquote supporting role where maybe they're not front and center but maybe they are really suitable in being like like I described a 1A. There's a 1 and there's a 1A that that kind of fits them. Would you say that that's pretty true with some actors out there because here's an example of this that I think exists. Brad Pitt of being a really good 1A kind of role. Think about how his career started back in the 90s with some of those alongside maybe somebody's just a a slight tier higher than them but they're they're right alongside them. And playing that role and doing it in kind of a character actor kind of way. Think of what he did in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was Mm -hmm. a similar kind of way. I thought it was, thinking about this topic today, I thought, how fitting that Brad Pitt played that role of the stuntman. And he's alongside the main guy in there. And he's able to just kind of do his thing. And he's maybe more of a standout character than than the main guy in there. Do you think that that's true, that there are some big-time mainstream actors that we are very familiar with who maybe are are a little bit better in a slightly supporting role alongside somebody else? Uh, I, was say, I wasn't knowing the question was coming. I got to marinate on it. A little I know. Bit. I'm, I'm really springing but, that on you. Uh, sure, sure. But I, you know, I think like a lot of things. Brad Pitt, for example, some of the roles that really got him noticed was this almost neurotic role, almost psychotic role, like Twelve, in Monkeys? 12 Monkeys. Yeah, where he's the second fiddle to Bruce Willis and Madeline Stowe, one of those fellow inmates in the asylum that may or may not be in charge of this plague that's come out. He might be a notch below. George Clooney with the rusty character in the Oceans movies, but above Matt Damon. 
I think it's, I don't know if he's better as, but I think it's a good tool in his toolbox that he can flourish in those roles. But I've seen him flourish just as well, front and center, the main guy, um, where he's not part of an ensemble, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He did a great job there. Um, but there are some character actors that I think um, that certainly can take a lead. But um, I don't know if necessarily their strength. I think one of the best things about any and all character actors is that they are really good actors and that it's not that they have a widget. Brad Pitt, certainly, his looks, sure, it might be his widget, but and even he said in interviews, I'm not going to look youthful and sexy like what's been my bread and butter for much longer. He's older than you think he is, and he's not going to look that you know, young and tasty and delicious for much longer because that's just life. And then he'll look, he will be human spackle trying to hold it together, and he knows that and he gets that. But you know, any any really good character actor is a really good actor. Like a Meryl Streep, she is a character actress that is so good. She has been one of the few that bursts to not just Oscar winner, but name above the title. But I think her bone marrow is that of a character actress because whatever role it's in, whether it's a, 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 a an accent she's got to perfect, and she does. She is a character actress. No way, no ifs, ands, or abouts it about it. But she is that one that can burst through and above. But I, I don't know if there's a good answer to that question because I think the best character actors can thrive in almost any environment. I think Christopher Lloyd is one of the best character actors there is, and he has certainly burst out front and center, but he certainly excels when he's got a smaller role or a cameo part or something in the background. But can he be front and center? Yes. Uh, they are, in my opinion, the best actors in Hollywood, the character actors, I think. Which is maybe not a surprise then that you see some names like the ones we described here who they've played some leading roles or maybe they're on the brink of playing them. Or maybe you get an established one. Like I, I threw Brad Pitt out there because there was sure, a list. When sure. I went through a list of well-known or top supporting actors, Brad Pitt was number one on the list. And I looked at that and I was like, wouldn't think of him like that. But then well, when you look at the filmography. Big, think of his first big role. He's the hitchhiker in Thelma and Louise. And it wasn't just because he was a tasty guy. He delivered a, a really good role. And it's a credit, I think, to some of those leading ladies and leading men of our present day who are able to not be in that leading role sometimes because they have the ability to blend in with what your story is or what the quote-unquote background requires here for a, a a the human clay. character that fills it out. Yeah, and that they can do that and you go, they are every bit as good, maybe better than being in the main role. I agree. There's you, know, you got to show a love to those uh, character actors that are fantastic. And I, that is probably an evasive answer, but it's the best one I can give you. Uh, I think those character actors, they're the best ones that are out there front and center or just south of front and center. Boy, they're good. Bring a magnifying glass next time you watch a movie because you never know, you might find one and who's some, in there. And some of them might be background actors now like Brad Pitt started as and he worked his way up to front and center. And it's not just because he's a delicious dish. He's got skill. He's a much better actor than you think he is. And he can really be different versions of himself. And some of the bigger name actors, they just kind of do their own version different ways. Leonardo DiCaprio has been more or less the same. Ver Maybe Gilbert Grape is the most unusual role he's ever played. But everything else is some kind of a version of who Leonardo DiCaprio is. Maybe except The Revenant. Yeah, okay, that's that one would be different too. But even then, in a way, whether he's got an accent or not, whether it's um, he's running away from Tom Hanks or he is uh, running away from a sinking boat or whatever, it's a version of the same thing. And he nails it. He's a really good actor at it, but they're all kind of the same. 
But you get those character actors, and they're going to be very the Laurie Metcalfs of the world. They're going to be menacing. They're going to be funny. They're going to tickle you. I love character actors. They are the part. They are the jam in my jelly roll. Absolutely, they help make these things have some flavor. Rick and Nick Talk Flex is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater on Highway Two, just down from the airport. From a couple of supporting players to you, thanks for joining us for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm the water boy. I'm not even that. I'm not. I'm unworthy. The supporter of the supporting player. Yeah, you just called me a jockstrap to my face. <laughs> they used to be called athletic supporters. Oh that was a my! Joke. Until next time. What a way to leave it. I'm Joel Hoover. <laughs> I'm Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies. <laughs>